Park Hopping Podcast number 81, Villains Mix and Mingle. There's lots of important things to say. This is not art. Coming up next in our show. This is not media. First, the news. This is not news. Now, welcome back to the show. This is another crappy podcast production. Celebrating over 12 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hey, there's a new Disney fan podcast in town called Malstalgia, hosted by Dave, Kristen, Becky, and Jeff. Yeah, that Jeff, the one who runs DoomBuggies.com and goes by the nickname of Chef Mayhem. Check it out on iTunes or by visiting MouseStalgia.com. Hi there, this is Alan from DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 81, the podcast that proves anyone can have their own podcast. Welcome back to the Park Hopping Podcast, digitally recorded using state-of-the-art digital equipment right here in digital Des Moines, Iowa, USA. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, a bit of audio to show you that getting to the Magic Kingdom was half the fun. Today on the Park Hopping Podcast, Jeremy Irons, or at least something about him. Oh, and uh, some Halloween stuff from Walt Disney World. I want to try to keep this short, so I'm going to get started right away with some feedback from previous episodes. Patrick wrote in about Jeremy Irons. You see, in Park Hopping 78, Verisimilitude, Jeff wrote in to mention that the closing of Disney's California Adventure Seasons of the Vine movie was the second time Jeremy Irons had been removed from a Disney attraction, the first being his narration at Spaceship Earth, which was removed in 2007. Patrick mentioned Irons being in the Timekeeper film at the Magic Kingdom as H.G. Wells. It seems I remember reading this, maybe on Wikipedia, but I was thinking Irons was just the English voiceover in the U.S version of the film. A quick visit to the internet movie database at imdb.com does list one of Jeremy Irons' credits as Spaceship Earth in 1994, but at first glance I didn't find the timekeeper anywhere. Then I remembered that it wasn't the actual name of the movie, which was created originally for Disneyland Paris a few years earlier. In 1992, they list the movie as From Time to Time, a.k.a. Timekeeper, a.k.a. Le Visionarium. So the film itself seems to be from time to time, with the original attraction in Paris called Le Visionarium, and in the U.S. version at the Magic Kingdom, they called it Timekeeper. And they do list Jeremy Irons in the role of H.G. Wells, then they note that the movie was filmed in French, then overdubbed in English for the American release at Walt Disney World. I guess this means Jeremy Irons, a British actor, also speaks French. A note in the IMDb also mentions that not only has the U.S. version been replaced by the Monsters Incorporated Laugh Floor Comedy Club, but that the Paris version was closed and replaced by their Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters attraction. Another thing I was reminded about was that the original French version featured a role for Gerard Depardieu as an airport employee. He's an established French actor who shows up from time to time in American films, and in the past I read that his role was cut from the American version of Timekeeper, which now makes me wonder how much was cut. The last time I saw Timekeeper was 1999, so I really don't remember if he was in there or not as a cameo or anything. So, are there any Depardieu fans out there who know the details? I know there are a few listeners to this podcast who have been to Disneyland Paris. Any of you want to write in with comments on Le Visionarium? Podcast at DisneyFans.com. But I digress. Let's get back to the feedback. 
At the end of episode 80, Half the Fun, I put a bit of audio at the very end of the episode that I expect most folks just skipped past. I played the audio to a 30-second TV commercial I produced for a local Halloween event we have here in Des Moines. Every year about this time, strange things start happening around Sleepy Hollow. Spend the evening, if you dare, at Sleepy Hollow's Haunted Screen Park. Three updated haunted houses, new Convict Island Haunted Walk, Halloween Hayride, and a fog maze and 3D gallery, plus food, live music, and an arcade. Enjoy free games and activities while avoiding lines with our reservation system. It's all night fright for one low price. No scare option available. Sleepy Hollow Sports Park, 4051 Dean Avenue. I hinted that there was actually an on-topic connection between that commercial and playing it on a Disney fan podcast. A few of you actually listened to the very end and heard it and responded. Brian wrote in, quote, As for the roundabout Disney connection for the Sleepy Hollow Haunted Scream Park, there are two. One is obvious, and the other is a guess based on what something sounded like. The obvious one is from The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and it is, of course, the Sleepy Hollow setting. But that being from an old fable that is public domain is so obvious it's probably not what you were looking for. The voice at the beginning of the advertisement sounded like Jim Varney, the actor who worked for Disney in the part of Ernest Worrell in the Ernest movies. Ernest goes to camp, Ernest goes to jail, Ernest saves Christmas, Ernest scared stupid. End quote. Well, that's not it, but I certainly think of the Disney Headless Horseman cartoon when I hear Sleepy Hollow. But that wasn't quite what I was getting at. And now that you mention it, the guy we used at the start of the commercial does kind of sound like Jim Varney. Know what I mean? So, good observations. Werner from Yesterland.com wrote in, quote, Is the Disney tie-in avoiding lines with a reservation system? Perhaps? Just don't run afoul of Disney's numerous fast-pass patents, end quote. Again, a real good observation, although the concept of reservations started long ago with places like, say, restaurants, Disney pretty much gets credit for applying the concept to modern theme parks. Today, most major amusement parks have some form of line management system, some of them based on handheld computers you carry with you in the park. Halloween events often sell higher-priced front-of-line passes for folks who can justify the extra expense to avoid spending an entire evening waiting in lines. The Sleepy Hollow system is free, like Disney's Fast Pass, but it's basically just the old take-a-number system made famous at dry cleaners and sandwich shops long ago. When you see Now Serving 89, you can go get in line for the Castle of Blood or whatever. Again, a real good connection, and certainly when I was putting together the commercial for them last year and they were first promoting a new system that virtually eliminates standing in lines, I immediately thought of Fast Pass as well. That's still not it. Eleonora wrote in, quote, finished listening to the Park Hopping Podcast 80 and thought I'd write in for the first time, been listening for a while, to try to answer the challenge about what tie-in to Disney your Halloween commercial may have. I honestly wasn't sure until I listened more closely to the background stuff. There's a few tidbits from the Haunted Mansion in there, mostly screams from what I could hear, but it's there nonetheless. Love the podcast, Alan. It's always nice to see a new one, even after the long break between shows. Also like that you keep them fairly short. One non-Disney podcast I listen to, or at least still download, has started to get ridiculously long. End quote. And yes, we have a winner. I actually snuck in a few Haunted Mansion sound effects in that commercial, like the Howling Wolf and some screams. I've always assumed Disney created these sound effects long ago because some of them appeared on an old Disney Halloween story record. But I wonder if some of them were just generic sound effects that came from Hollywood audio libraries. 
There's a famous lightning sound that was used in the famous black and white version of Frankenstein, and that shows up in movies from time to time still to this day, much like the famous Wilhelm scream, which once you hear it, you'll start recognizing in almost every movie you watch where someone gets shot, blown up, or falls to certain death. So imagine my surprise last year when I was hanging out at Sleepy Hollow during the Halloween events and I heard some unmistakable sounds from the Haunted Mansion playing there in a background sound effects loop. One of the sound effects CDs they were using actually used some of the same sounds from Disney's Haunted Mansion. It made me wonder if whatever company created that CD actually licensed these sounds from Disney or they just found the sound files floating around on the internet and used them without knowing their famous lineage. Or perhaps someone there was just a big mansion fan and put them in as a tribute. Let's hope the Disney lawyers see it that way if they ever find out. And in case Disney Legal is listening, the actual background track I used in the commercial that went to the TV stations was built using royalty-free background loops and sound effects from Apple's soundtrack and GarageBand program, so that version shouldn't get anyone in trouble. I hope. Oh, and Eleonora, I know exactly what you mean about long podcasts. I've actually gone as far as making a special iTunes playlist that will not include podcasts over a certain length. There are some Disney ones that I used to listen to that, that are ridiculously long now, and I'd rather listen to three or four short ones than one really, really long one. But I digress. Another almost related thing I'd like to mention is that Chef Mayhem from DoomBuggies.com apparently is part of a podcast now. DoomBuggies.com is by far one of the best attraction-specific Disney sites on the internet. Just like Yesterland.com is top quality when it comes to Disneyland history, DoomBuggies is top quality when it comes to Haunted Mansion history. If you want to hear more from Chef Mayhem, you can check out Mousestalgia in iTunes. I'm just now starting to listen to it myself, and I think only five episodes have been posted so far, so it shouldn't be too hard to get caught up. And I believe there will be a Halloween episode coming up any day now, which might be really good coming from the guy behind DoomBuggies.com, so check it out. Uh, just look for Mousestalgia in iTunes, or go to Mousestalgia.com. I'll leave it up to you to figure out how to spell that. So where does that leave us for today's episode? Well, I guess the obvious thing to talk about after mentioning Chef Mayhem's excellent Haunted Mansion tribute site would be the Haunted Mansion. Therefore, we're going to discuss Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party at the Magic Kingdom in Florida. I first experienced this hard-ticket event in October of 2006 when I was in Melbourne, Florida for a two-day work trip for some intel thing. If my photos are to be believed, I had my former employer fly me into Florida on October 23rd so I could try to spend some time at Disney World before driving to Melbourne where I'd be staying. I hadn't been to Disney World since 1999, so I was eager to take advantage of being relatively close to Orlando. It looks like I landed around 10.30 in the morning, and I was driving on to Disney World property almost exactly an hour later. By 11.53, I was at the Transportation and Ticket Center, and about 20 minutes later, I was taking the first photo I'd taken of the Magic Kingdom train station since November 1999. I pretty much covered this trip in Park Hopping Episode 42, Return to WDW, and the party in Episode 43, the next few episodes after that covered some of the attractions and shows that were new to me since my last visit in 99. Since I didn't bring along anything other than my digital camera, I never had any audio or video from that trip to share on this podcast, but I did return in 2007 with my equipment, so today we're going to take a look back to last year's Halloween activities. But first, back to the tedious hour-by-hour -hour recollection of how I spent my limited time there in 2006. I may even explain why at some point in the future. 
So basically, here's the mood. I hadn't been in almost seven years, and I would have uh, most of one day, then an evening, before I had to head back to Iowa. With the Magic Kingdom being my favorite Florida park, I spent most of the day there, heading over to Epcot around 5.30 p.m. to check out a few new things there before that park closed for the day. As I was leaving the Magic Kingdom, they had already been setting stuff up for the nightly Halloween party, like inflatable Disney characters, Mickey ghosts uh, were being erected, and signs explaining where guests could pick up their party armbands were being put out. The attraction wait time sign had already been converted over to Halloween party schedule boards. My plan was to run over to Epcot and spend a bit of time there before Future World closed, and as far as I can tell from looking at the times of my photos, I was only at Epcot from about 6 until 7 that night, but that was enough to check out the new-to-me mission space and the seas with Nemo, as well as snag a quick ride on Test Track. After this, I was back off to Melbourne to get ready for work the next morning. On Tuesday, October 24th, I was able to leave work early enough to be at Epcot around 4.30, which gave me enough time to ride Living with the Land, but I, I skipped Soarin' since I'd seen it before many times at Disney's California Adventure. Since I'd be flying home the next morning, this was my only other chance to spend some time in the parks, and I decided to buy a ticket to the Halloween party so I could get in a few extra hours that night at the Magic Kingdom. There was absolutely no time to make it to any of the other parks or all the way back to World Showcase at Epcot before I'd be heading back to the Magic Kingdom around 5.30 for the party, which must have been starting around 6, unless I was off by an hour due to time zone differences. And there were a ton of people in line for the monorail that night in costume, as I mentioned in a previous episode, and I still get a kick out of looking at the photos from that night. I was standing right behind a Ninja Turtle. Anyway, I was able to spend from 6 to 10 at the party, which gave me time to snag some candy, ride some rides, and catch the three special bits of Halloween entertainment. The Mickey's Boo to You Halloween Parade, the Happy Hallow Wishes Fireworks Show, and the Villains Mix and Mingle. The parade and fireworks are pretty obvious, but I always hear folks refer to the Villains Mix and Mingle as the Halloween Castle Show, probably because it's a show done just for Halloween's party and it takes place on a stage in front of the castle. But it's not billed specifically as as a stage show. It's actually a really long and fancy way to introduce a simple character meet and greet. From the show guide, quote, Villains mix and mingle. Your favorite Disney villains take center stage in this Halloween production. Stick around. You don't know who you may meet after the show, end quote. So for a show, it may seem short, running at just under eight minutes in length. But for a character meet and greet... It's a heck of a thing to watch before getting your turn at an autograph from Disney villains you typically don't see roaming the park. In Park Hopping 43, I believe I commented on the rather sexy outfits the female dancers wore, including fishnet stockings and tight leather-looking shorts, and a top that looked like it was laced up the front, kind of like a bodice on a winch at a Renaissance festival, and also the uh, see-through net shirts that the male dancers wore under their leather-looking vests. Perhaps not the most typical family-type image you expected the Magic Kingdom, but hey, I, it's Halloween, I guess. And it sounded something like this. Welcome to the villain dance mix and mingle. It's sure to be a frightfully fun evening. Not having fun would be a grave error indeed. <laughs> And in such festive attire, how incredibly 
The moment's here. The black of night draws ever near. Music, lights, a bit of fire. To shake the night is our desire. The howl of a wolf on this moonlit night calls to us with eerie delight. For your fears this hour mix and mingle in with my great power. We now begin! Something never seen before! 
Perhaps that earworm of a song will be stuck in your head for the rest of the day or night. And did you notice that while Disney bills this show as Villains Mix and Mingle, the audio at the start of the show calls it the Villain Dance Mix and Mingle? If you did, you get a cookie. Or at least some free candy if you go to the party. That audio actually came from the first of four performances on September 30th, 2007, and it was followed by the various Disney villains, Captain Hook from Peter Pan, the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland, Cruella de Vil from 101 Dalmatians, Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame, and the evil queens that I always get mixed up from Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. They all came down and signed autographs and posed for pictures. As the month of October progresses, I'll share some more Halloween stories and audio from Disney World festivities. All that and much more next time on the Park Hopping Podcast. And speaking of next time, the next time you're at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom during October and you buy an extra cost ticket just so you can spend a few more hours in the park and score some free candy and see dancers and fishnets, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again. And on that note, I think that'll do it for me this time, so be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse around 53,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, as well as dozens of downloadable video files from the Disney parks. If you want to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at DisneyFans.com. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 81, Villains Mix and Mingle. Thanks for listening. Another crappy podcast production. 
Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting <sighs> podcasts. Hey, want to get four days and three nights in a luxury Orlando resort just down the road from Disney World for just 99 bucks? You do? Well, there's a catch. You'll have to listen to a 90-minute presentation that'll probably take closer to three hours, but it'll save you money and you'll get a great breakfast out of it. Go to DisneyFans.com secret for the details.